you all look a little nervous. <laughs> You're wondering if I'm a good homeless or not, and I was going to assure you that I am, but I'll let you figure that out on your own. In last week's gospel, our Lord opened the ears of a deaf man with the word Ephatha, be open. And so how fitting that today's first reading should start with this line from the prophet Isaiah. The Lord God opens my ear that I may hear. So what are we supposed to hear? For why, for what, has God opened our ears? And he has opened them. Ephatha, be open. These words were spoken at your baptism when a cross was traced on your ear. This is where you were claimed for Christ Jesus. And so what does the Lord wish to say to you? It certainly must be important, right? Note how Jesus in the beginning of today's gospel takes, takes his disciples away. He takes them away from the scribes and the Pharisees. He takes them away from the hustle and bustle of the city so that he could be alone, alone with his disciples so they can hear what he has to say. And we too as disciples need to be alone in silent prayer with Jesus if we're going to hear what he has to say to us. And then Jesus asked them just this remarkably profound question, who do you say that I am? It's a question they're going to have to answer again and again in their lives. And it's one that's central to their lives as disciples. And so we as disciples, we need to answer this question again and again. And so do we dare say with Peter, you are the Christ. Can we make this bold claim again and again with both word and deed? Because if so, you and I as prophets will suffer the same fate as Isaiah. We will be persecuted. We will give our backs to those who beat us. And our faces we will not shield from buffets and spittings. But we can persevere. We can. Knowing that like the prophet, we are not disgraced. The Lord God is our help. So with ears open, we're given this question, who do you say that I am? But what else is there for us to hear? The answer. Our Lord answers his very own question. Listen again to, the Son of Man must suffer be rejected, killed, and rise after three days. And like the ever-impetuous Peter, we sometimes also rebuke Jesus. We do this every time we do not let Jesus simply be Jesus. He who wants to give us life, share his glory, wants to enter our lives. This is who he is. But sometimes we say to him, no, you're much too great, much too glorious to enter the mess of my life. You'll get too dirty, and, and I've already messed everything up. You, there's no helping me. Or we say, you know, I'm a terrible person. Every dysfunction just seems to be mine. Every sin is my sin. You can't help me anymore. We sometimes say, you know, I'm so alone. No one loves me. You must not love me either. And we sound like Satan, an obstacle to Christ, thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. When we do not let Jesus be Jesus, we fail in trust 
and our faith is deficient. It's lacking. Faith, Bishop Barron of Los Angeles says, and I, I think this is a really good working definition that I hope you take home with you. Faith is a willingness to believe that God is who he says he is. Faith is a willingness to believe that God is who he says that he is. And our Lord tells us, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. And if I'm willing to believe all this through God's grace, if I have the faith to say, Jesus Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, then everything, everything has to change. We, because of our faith, we have to change. We have to be different than a world that's more interested in itself. We need to be different. You know, a couple of Sundays ago, back in San Diego, and I was hanging out in front of the cathedral. Uh, my friend, uh, my personal friend, Father Pat, is the pastor there. And so he invited me to assist at Mass for the Sunday evening. So I got there a little early, and I was sitting outside on the bench enjoying the sun because I knew I was coming back here. <laughs> and partway through the first psalm, a local homeless man walked past me in the, into the and he was looking for the garden hose. He had this three-gallon jug, and he was trying to fill it. And So he had the hose in the, in the jug, and he saw that you couldn't turn the faucet on without a special tool. So he sees me sitting there. I'm wearing my clerics because I'm about to serve Mass in about an hour. And he says, hey, can you turn this on? I tried to explain, oh, I don't work there. I can't do anything. I don't have that special tool to, to turn on the faucet. And he said something just remarkably profound. It's a question that's really stuck with me and kind of hurt my feelings. But, you know, that's not here nor there. He said, so you're a priest and you can't even get me water? Ah, I was stunned because he was absolutely right. He was dead on. I was waiting to serve at the altar of the Lord to feed his people with his very body and blood his soul and divinity. I was going to distribute the bread of life, the cup of salvation, the living water coming down from heaven, and I couldn't get this man, the least of these, some drinking water. And the psalm I was praying was Psalm 23, the Good Shepherd. You probably heard of it. Fresh and green are the pastures where he gives me repose. Near restful waters he leads me. My cup overflows. And I had to ask myself, do I even believe these words? Does it mean anything to me if I want to be a shepherd for our Lord? And here's a thirsty man at the doors of the foot, at the foot of the doors of, of a church, and he can't get water. And so I paused my prayer and I told Gillen, it's the name of the homeless man, Gillen, you know what? Let's go get you some water. Where's the nearest store? And so we walked about a half mile through downtown, and it must have been a sight. There was a, was a young lady, she was in her car as we're crossing the street. She pulls out her phone to take a picture through her windshield. <laughs> I don't know where that photo is. <laughs> I hope my bishop doesn't either. But, <laughs> but here's a fellow in a Roman collar on a Sunday afternoon walking across a busy street with a skinny, sunburnt man. He's got no shirt on. It looks like there's fungus is growing out of his back. He's wearing dirty sweatpants. And under the tears of those sweatpants are dried scabs. <laughs> <laughs> 
His figure was so unsightly when we got to a corner in front of a restaurant with these big windows. A restaurant manager came out and he said, Father, could you keep walking? People are trying to eat. I apologized. And through the window I noticed that half the people were staring at us and the other half were trying not to stare at us. And so while his feelings were hurt, it didn't stop him from walking into that 7-Eleven singing, Father's paying for everything, Father's paying for everything. <laughs> As I grabbed two jugs of water he from the fridge, and he grabbed a coffee and a second Danish from the bakery case. And I guess I decided that day I was going to say, Jesus, you are the Christ. And so by faith, everything had to change. And I have to admit, I thought about brushing him off. I almost thought of those words of St. James, and I was going to say, go in peace, be warm and eat well. Except I was going to say, take care and God bless. Wish I could help you, ma'am. But faith, if it does not have works, is dead. It does not say faith, this faith is useless. It does not say this faith is pointless or inert. It says this faith is dead. And the author uses the same word in Greek as one would use to describe a corpse, necron. And so our faith has to be a living faith. Remember that Jesus in last week's gospel also healed a man's muteness, ephetha. These words were also said as a cross was traced on your lips at your baptism. This living faith must speak. It speaks in both word and in deed. And in this living faith, one reflects the beauty and splendor of God. It shows his goodness. It speaks his truth. It unifies. It gathers the people. That's what God does, and we can reflect that with this living faith, this willingness to believe who he is, who he says that he is. And this living faith answers the question, who do you say that I am? With the words, you are the Christ. And that's what we do here and now in this very celebration. We gather and marvel at the beauty of God. We receive his truth, we experience his goodness, and together we say, you are the Christ. Here we are strengthened by word, nourished by sacrament, by this sacrificial offering at this altar. And we participate in this offering with reverent and fervent prayer. And, and in this offering we hear our Lord Jesus Christ say, I have died, I am risen, and I will come again. We hear him say, this is my body, this is my blood, given up for you all that we may be transformed so that we have life in, with, and through him and in our amen, both in word and in deed, we dare to say to Jesus, you are the Christ. 